hear the word of the Lord. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning, and welcome to Christ Community Church. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Nathan. It's good to be together. Let me uh, pray for us, and then we'll look at these challenging words together. Let's pray. Father, we need you to speak. Um, All of us come here this morning knowing um, that our world is not as it should be, and that we are not as we should be. And so, God, I pray that you would take words from your scriptures written down so long ago, and that by the power of your spirit, you would bring life from them in our hearts. Only you can do that work, and so we ask you to do it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I am, for those of you who know me, you already know this about me, but I am embarrassed by how much I love trees. I just love them so much, guys. I mean, I love trees, okay? I have to, I have to touch them. I have to smell them. I just, I, I'm, I love trees. I planted so many trees in our little tiny suburban yard. It's going to be a forest one day. I just, I love, I love trees. So one of the highlights of sabbatical for me was our, our trip to the Redwoods. I mean, ever since I'd first seen a picture or heard of these giant trees, like I've wanted, I wanted to go. And so it was just, it was amazing to be, to be a part of it. But the Redwoods weren't, weren't our first stop. We were gone for quite a while. Um, and we, we drove out, I had all the time um, to do that, uh, drove out. And our first stop was Lassen Volcanic National Park, beautiful place. Believe it or not, it's one of the least pretty places we visited. Um, uh, and then uh, Crater Lake National Park as well. So both in, in uh, Northern California and, and Southern Oregon. And, oh man, the trees. Like if, if you've never been, if you're a tree person, you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, like you have, uh, like hitchhike, how, whatever it takes. Like the, they're just, I mean, look at that. That's just some random tree. It's not a special tree. It's just like every third tree is like that, it seems like, uh, in that part of the world. It's just absolutely amazing. As we drove around, there's nothing out there. I mean, Northern California and Southern California are like very, very different. Like it's just fields, forests, and fires. That's about it, right? That's all. It's, it's empty space. And so we would drive around on these little roads, um, and this is essentially what we'd see in every direction. There's these towering conifers in every direction for hundreds of miles. It's a miracle we didn't get in a wreck, because I'm like, you know, looking at every one of them. And yet we knew that the, the redwoods were coming, right? But every, you know, every couple miles or so, as we got closer and closer, knowing that the redwoods were coming, you know, we, we would start kind of play this game as a family. We had a lot of time in the car, so we'd play this, you know, like, oh, I bet that's, I bet that's a redwood. It's got to be, right? We started trying to spot them in the forest as we got closer and closer. Well, no, that, that's got, it's so big, it's so tall, it's got to be a redwood. And we kept doing this over and over, I mean, probably for a couple hours, okay? We had a lot of time in the car, a lot of family time. Um, we kept, kept doing this over and over, but we were, we were convinced, yes, that's got to be one. <laughs> well, it was after dinner one day. We, we had spent the day at Crater Lake, um, and driven almost three hours uh, to our little Airbnb outside of Redwood National Park in Northern California. 
And we were, we were gross, tired, I mean, just shower ready. We were just, it was the end of our day. We'll, we'll enjoy the trees tomorrow kind of thing. Uh, we just had to get back and shower. But what I hadn't realized, that on this drive to get to our Airbnb, we had to go through the tiniest sliver of Redwood National Park. And all of a sudden, we were there. And we were surrounded in, in every direction by this, like, thousand-year-old forest, and those, I mean, if, like, those are the young ones, right? And, and everywhere, and it was almost in that moment, I mean, it sounds exact, not exaggerating, like, it, it was like we'd never seen a tree before. And, and knowing that, like, every tree that we ever experience in the future is going to be compared back to that, that moment. I couldn't believe that we thought all those others might possibly be redwoods, right? Because let me just say, this is a redwood right here. Look at that thing! That, that was our first one we had to pull off. I'm mean, tired, sweaty, we're gross. But I had to pull off the car. And we, we, we got out to just sort of experience and all the trees around that are similar. I mean, I don't remember exactly this, but some of them are like 25 feet wide. So like, you know, from that row of chairs to that row of chairs, just unbelievable trees. In fact, I got out of the car so quick that I didn't grab the camera um, and Kelly did and she caught me having a moment um, in front of this tree, yes. I was not staged. I am embarrassed, but I had to show it anyway. Um, and in this next picture, I'm not posing. I just made a friend. <laughs> Look at that thing. That was on July 15th. I, I know I'm weird. I, I'm pretty sure I've thought about the Redwoods every day since. Because they were just like too much to handle, so big, so grand, so, so beautiful. And again, knowing that like from now on the rest of my life, every tree is always going to be compared back to these trees. And, I, and I'm guessing, you know, maybe, maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. I'm guessing many of you have had a similar experience with something. Like where you're, you're sure you've experienced beauty or kindness or, or wisdom or love. Like, and you, I'm not minimizing those micro encounters. We need those. Those are important. But then then you, you see the granddaddy of them all and it just about knocks you over. And, and you know whatever it is, whether it's beauty, kindness, wisdom, like it's, you know that everything else is going to be compared back to that moment. We've all, we've all had those. In the face of something so grand, you'll know you'll never be the same. And while I would, I would venture to say many of us have experienced that in all kinds of areas, one of the ways I think I've experienced this most in my own life is in the area of generosity. We've all seen generosity. You've heard the stories, right? I have too. Glimpses of it. I'd even, I'd even bet that most of us here would probably say, yeah, I'm a generous person, you know, about ourselves. And I'm not minimizing that. And yet... Then someday you, like, you experience the granddaddy and you're like, oh, that's, that's generosity. And everything else sort of pales in comparison. And, and we, love, we love the stories. Like, did you hear about the woman recently in, in Utah? She was wedding dress shopping and she got up to pay and for some reason the stranger ahead of her paid for her dress already. Who does that? Or, or the woman in, in Massachusetts, she wrote an essay as a contest about why, she's a third grade teacher, why she loves her students. And she won $150,000 and donated all of it to her school. Like, 
who does that, right? And, and, and we love those stories. I, I mean, you just can't get enough of those kinds of stories. And we know generosity when we see it. And we stand in awe before it. And yet somehow so often unchanged. I love the stories, but I rarely put myself in the position to be the tall tree in one of those stories. I mean, just for example, and please, I don't say this to heap guilt on any of us at all. We have an incredibly generous congregation. But you, you've probably seen some of these numbers before, at least some of you have. Like, but did you know that American Christians today, which I don't think I need to remind you that we are, by and large, the wealthiest people who have ever lived, right? We know that. That American Christians today give roughly 2.5% of their income every year. Two and a half percent. Like we gave more during the Great Depression when we couldn't even buy bread. What are we missing? Now, I realize some of you have already tuned me out. I get that. This isn't my first rodeo. Um, and, I, and I know, like I've been back two weeks and I find out I have to talk about money. That's super awesome. Thanks, Reed, um, for that. Um, I guess it could be worse. I don't know. Um, but I, I know, like, some of you hear that you're in church, like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. The church just wants my money. Don't raise your hand if you're feeling that way. I'm, I can see you, right? You're, some of you are squirming a little bit. I get that. I understand that. I know that cynicism personally. But let me, let me just say three quick things before we get into this subject to give us some context. First of all, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, which we're studying right now, you would be shocked that we're only talking about money once during this series, because it is all over the place, okay? So just once, could be worse, right? Second, so let's say, let, me just, let me just say this as well. Um, I know that it makes us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like talking about it. I fight against this as well, right? This is also a sermon that I need to hear about generosity. But here's the deal. You and I both know I would be a bad pastor not to talk about money occasionally. We would be negligent as a church. You and I both, we both know the power that money has for life and for death. We know that it's one of the biggest idols that we face that you and I have to fight, and we would be, this would be be a lousy church um, if we didn't talk about it from time to time. And third, and this is really what I want to unpack this morning, When we talk about money, about generosity, it is for our own good. Maybe you don't believe me on that. We'll look at the text that says it is for our own good, but listen, listen. If you take one thing with you this morning, I hope it's this. The wise person knows a generous life will never be empty. A truly generous life will never be empty. Hmm. It's counterintuitive a bit, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I get that, but let's, let's look at God's word because he, he talks about this to us. Um, we're going to try to paint a picture again like we did last week, these last couple weeks from the Proverbs. We'll jump around a bit. But there are three major themes that I want to draw out about money from the book of Proverbs. What it looks to live wisely. First, wise people know money's power. They know it's powerful. 
Like at least, at least recognize and acknowledge that in this thing, right, there is either life or death, and rarely, rarely does it take a neutral place in our hearts. I mean, for example, Proverbs 10, 16. It says, The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. It's the same money, right? And yet in one person's hands, it leads to life, and in somebody else's, it leads to death. And the wise know it. That on the one hand, money has the power to blind, and on the other has the power to bless. Like it has the power to blind. I mean, like who here thinks they're greedy? Really. Some of, some of us are. Very few of us would recognize it. Who here um, thinks they have a money problem? Again, don't, no hands are necessary, right? Who here recognizes the injustices, the economic injustices surrounding us that often lead to a more comfortable life for us? Ah, we, we don't tend to see it. We don't want to see it. And as a result, we think we're safe. Look, listen to Proverbs 18.11. It says, A rich man's wealth... That's his strong city. That's what he thinks is going to protect him. And like a high wall in his imagination. It comes with a, a sense of safety and power that is a figment of our imagination. It has the power to blind. But it also has the power to bless. I mean, who here has been blessed by the generosity of another? Probably all of us. And I, I think of the times that we as a church, we've been able to to pay somebody's bills, right? To pay their rent or buy them their, their groceries or, or whatever it is or, or the opportunities we've had to help with, with counseling and, and pay for that for others who, who are in a place of crisis. I mean, we do that and think about the life that that gives, especially for the most marginalized, the power to, to bless. Our partnerships in Rwanda and Mission Southside here in Olathe or across our campuses, the work that we're able to do with the homeless, with immigrants, with at-risk women and children. In Proverbs 19, power to bless, listen to what it says. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. That's a crazy verse, isn't it? Here, God, let me give you a loan. See, you can use it. You know, here you go. And then we wonder if he's going to be good for it later, right? It's crazy. It's power to bless. But on the, other, on the other hand, it also has the power to enslave, doesn't it? I mean, if you don't think you're a slave to money, like how many times do you think, even after the last raise, if I just had a little bit more? That one gets me. I hate that, right? And how many raises since? And how many, how many you know, times have you moved up the scale or whatever, right? If it just had a little bit, it doesn't matter how much you have, how little you have, how quickly we, we start to think that. If I, just, if I just had more, or how much, how much time, maybe, maybe that's not you, but how much time do you spend worrying about money? I'm, that's too much for me, right? How much tension, how many arguments exist in your home because of money? Or at work? It can slave us. And not just us individually. I mean, think about families, communities, societies that have been destroyed because of greed, injustice, oppression. It has the power to enslave. And if you don't recognize its enslaving power, 
then try to give something away that you love later on today. It's hard, isn't it? But also, on the other hand, it has the power to free. It can set your heart free. It can set free those who are hurting. Listen to Proverbs 11.10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And that is an incredible verse. Like, like when the righteous flourish, everybody wins, is what it says. Because they know what their money can do and how to use it. Money is power. Never mistake it. The moment it enters your hand, it can bring life or it can bring death. And the wise know it. If you want to be wise, according to the book of Proverbs, you have to understand money's power in your own soul and in the lives of others. You can't stop there, right? And you knew this was coming as soon as we started talking about it. The second thing, wise people know. Wise people um, always find ways to give more. Always find new ways to give more. Well, why? Why do, why do the wise, according to Proverbs, right, why do they do that? Why are the wise so generous? Well, go back, go back to where we started. A generous life will never be empty. In Proverbs 11, that's the verse that, that Reed read for us. I love this verse. Listen to what it says. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. I mean, it's the paradox of generosity, isn't it? In pouring out, somehow we're filled. And in hoarding, somehow it turns to ash. It sours. And, and we read that verse, I mean, it's beautiful, right? It's poetic. I love this idea, the one who waters will himself be watered. Essentially, it's the same thing that Jesus said, isn't it? I mean, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that verse? Maybe cognitively, but if we were to look at our checkbooks, do we believe that verse? Hmm. Nah, that can't be true, right? Now, now I want to be clear here, because this is a part where I think we can get confused very quickly, and some Christians have gone this direction. Well, if you give money, you'll get money in return and even more, Right? Which, if you think about that, is just completely backwards because we've just said money is not the thing that can actually make you happy, right? And so even if that were true, it's not the satisfaction. You'll never have enough, right? Money cannot do that. And, and when the, the, the scriptures talk about the blessing that we receive in our generosity, yes, sometimes, sometimes it's financial, but that cannot be why we give. What is promised at every turn is a richness of life, an abundance of joy, and a flourishing that money simply cannot buy. And sociology actually backs this up. I mean, if you even just Google generosity and happiness or satisfaction, like you'll find all kinds of studies recently, not some by Christians, many by, by non-Christians, saying generous people are happier people. Like every study shows that. In fact, there was a study a few years back out of Notre Dame. A book has been published out of the research called The Paradox of Generosity. Giving we receive, grasping we lose. Let me read just a paragraph from there. It says, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in turn. 
By spending ourselves for others' well-being, we enhance our own standing. In letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own lives. By giving ourselves away, we ourselves move toward flourishing. This, This is so important. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching. It is a sociological fact. The studies bear this out. Generous people are happier. Why? I mean, why does it work that way? Well, there's a lot that could be said, but for one thing, it, it begins by reorienting our perspective. There is a joy that comes in recognizing that our money doesn't belong to us anyway. Like, there's a sense of freedom that, that says, this, is, this isn't mine. Everything that I have is on loan from God. And, and often, often, though, that's not how I approach it, right? When I, when I think about this subject, and I, again, fellow struggler here when it comes to money, but I often think, just tell me how much to give, right? Tell me the minimum, and maybe I'll hit the minimum, right? Some of you are thinking that. You're like, please, just give me the minimum. Just pull it off like a Band-Aid, right? But that's, think, that's a terrible place to start. God doesn't want anybody's minimum, does he? How much does God want? All of it. It's his anyway, right? And he cares just as much about how you give as about why you save and about what you buy. Because it all belongs to him anyway. We are simply stewards for a short period of time of what he's entrusted to us. I mean, I was reminded of this in a tiny way, just even with the sabbatical. So I had, this, this, I had a 12-week period of time off where I didn't have to come to work, and yet I didn't have to worry about whether or not my kids were going to eat. Like, that, that is, let me just, again, thank you. Like, that is such an incredible act of generosity that you all poured out on me and my family and that you do regularly for our pastors. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable, and so I'm so grateful for that. And while I did rest and have fun, I mean, that's, that's the purpose of sabbatical. I also, I had to recognize that because of that, because it was your gift to our family, like, my time was not my own. That ultimately, it belonged to, to you and to, to Christ Community Church. And so I, I mean, I had to think regularly, is this, if I had to sit down and talk through this day with somebody at the church, would they say, yeah, that's a good use of your time? So like binge watching Netflix was probably not the best use, at least not all the time, right? And, you know, thinking through just how, how am I spending time praying, reading, doing things that, because my time was not mine. I wanted to make sure that I was worthy of the gift that you entrusted me with. And how much more the God of the universe and all of life I mean, this, this means hoarding isn't just stupid or isn't, isn't just wrong, right? Spending everything on yourself isn't just evil. It's stupid. It, just, it doesn't make sense. Not in God's economy. Not if you know what's promised to us, what's offered to us. For the generous life will never be empty. So what do we do about it? And I want to I get practical here, but I realize that in this room, right, we've got, we've got extreme spectrums, right? And we're all different places. I mean, some of you give nothing, and many of you sacrifice deeply, and we have such a generous church. We really do. And so I, I realize, right, there's a, there's a massive, massive spectrum. Um, so let me, let me just suggest two things that I think maybe we'll be able to connect with all of us in some way or another. First of all, number one, principle out of Proverbs is give first. Give first, save second, spend third. 
which some of you are like, no, I, that, you've got that backwards, Nathan, right? Because we don't live that way. But according to the Proverbs, that's, that is the order, right? Give first, save second, spend third. Proverbs 3, for example, we could look at several of them. But Proverbs 3, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Don't give the leftovers. As if that happens often, right? Leftovers at the end of the month, right? Don't, don't give the leftovers. Give first. Yeah, but Nathan, that's scary. What if there's not enough left over at the end? I mean, I'm not minimizing the fear that comes with money and being gener- generous, but like, let's do a little perspective here. Like, who are the first readers of this command? Like, you think you're afraid? These were farmers who like, if they ran out of food during the winter, that was it for their family. And yet God says, first fruits, that's the first of the harvest. So before you even know how good the harvest is going to be, the first apples, the first wheat, the first of your livestock are God's. I mean, think about that. Give that away first. Which means a couple of things. I mean, it means, first of all, you have to trust. That's one of the beauties of generosity. I think that's part of why there's joy in generosity. It forces us to trust someone other than myself for a while, right? So it forces trust. You've got to trust. And second, you've, you've got to plan. You've got to think ahead, right? If you're going to give first, you've, you've got to have a plan. And if, listen, if you don't have a budget or a spending plan, then you're never going to be generous. I mean, not, not like you could be. You've, you've, you've got to know how it's going to work. And at the very top of your budget, category number one is how much can we give away? Hmm, that's a hard one, right? Now, that's, if that seems impossible, as I realize it does probably to some of you, whether it's because of debt or under, un, underemployment, unemployment, whatever it is, um, we all need help with this. And there's grace along the way. I mean, one of the things Kelly and I did last, this past spring, that was really helpful for both of us, uh, we went through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey's thing. We did that here as a church. We're offering that again in the spring. And wherever you're at on this spectrum, this is a helpful, really helpful tool. Sign up for it um, in a few months when we have it. Because we all need help, right? And you can't miss it from the Proverbs. Give, give first. And second, give more. I mean, that's really the only safe rule of thumb when it comes to the biblical understanding of generosity, right? How much is enough? Probably a little bit more for all of us. For me, I know. Give more. I'm not, again, I don't, I'm not going to tell you how much to give because that just gets messy, right? Because some of you will say, well, then I'm just going to check that off the list and be done, right? And that's not generosity. That's just following a, a rule, right? Um, I don't, I don't want to just tell you the minimum because God wants more than our minimum. But I do want to say just a quick word about tithing, which I know all of you are super excited about. Um, and this isn't a message on tithing. It's a message on generosity, Okay. Um, and yet, because I know some of you are thinking, well, what about this? How does this fit into that? I thought I'd just spend just a minute talking about, about tithing. We do believe at Christ's community that the scriptures teach that the baseline of obedience to God is giving 10% of your income to the local church. We believe that's what the scriptures teach. That's what we want to encourage us to practice as the very baseline of obedience. Some of you think that's insane. I get it. I used to be one of you. Um, until we tried it, we first got married, and we've just never, we've never looked back as a, as a baseline, as a starting point. And I can hear others of you say, some of you just think it's insane. Others are like, well, is that really, I mean, 
you know, it's an Old Testament law, and we're under grace now, and how does that fit in? I'm not, I don't have time to get into all of the arguments for it. Let me just say this. If you've read the New Testament, and you understand what grace is, God's unmerited favor towards us, that he has given us everything, we who deserve nothing, who run from him, who turn our backs from him at every turn. He welcomes us into his family. Like, if you understand grace in the New Testament, like, when does grace ever lower the bar? It never does. I mean, if anything, read the Sermon on the Mount. Like, grace always raises the bar because we have been given so much, we've received so richly, that now we, we pour out. Grace raises the bar. Yet again, I don't, I don't want to get hung up there. Um, so instead, let me, let me just ask a couple diagnostic questions, not about tithing, but about generosity, because that's, that's the real heart of this message and the heart of Proverbs. Let me ask just a few diagnostic questions, four of them, to kind of get at, am I a generous person, okay? These are not perfect questions. Uh, they are a group effort between a handful of us. You'll see some uh, echoes of C.S. Lewis in here, if you know him um, at all. Um, but just some diagnostic questions. So, am I a generous person? Four, four questions. One, one, first, question number one. Are, th- are there things in your life that you want or that you want to do that you cannot because you're generous? Like, I, I, I want to do that. I have the money to do that, but I'm going to choose to give that money away instead. Like, if, if you never deny yourself anything, then you're probably not being generous. And we live in a culture where we don't deny ourselves anything. Why would we, right? We want it all and we can have it all. But if you don't deny yourself anything, you're probably not generous. Question number two. Question number two. If you were to compare your lifestyle with a group of non-Christians, and I don't mean any judgment to non-Christians here, okay, I don't, please don't hear that. But if you were to compare your lifestyle to theirs, they make the same amount of money as you. And if, if their lifestyle is essentially the same as yours, and they don't know Jesus, they haven't received his gift, then you're probably not being generous. Third question. This one might be a little, have a little homework attached to it. Uh, question number three, add up all the extras in your life. I don't know what they are for you. You know what they are, right? The things that you spend on yourself for entertainment, comfort, vacation, pleasure, right? All of the extras, add those up. And ask yourself, do I spend more on me trying so stinking hard to make myself happy with stuff and experiences and comfort and pleasure? Or do I give more away, which God promises will make me happy? If you spend more on yourself, then you're not generous. And frankly, it shows, like, you don't believe what God says. You think those things are going to make you happy rather than being generous. Last question. Last question. This, this is especially for those, those of you who are generous. And again, we have such an incredibly generous congregation. Where, wherever you, you're at on this spectrum, are you still seeking to give more away? Wherever you're at, some of you, are, you stretch deeply and are so incredibly generous. You put me to shame. But a wise person never checks generosity off the list. Well, I'm generous now. You just can't do it. 
Now, the truly generous, the truly wise always looks for more ways to give. And again, I'm lousy at this. Like, generosity is hard for me. But this is one of the things that Kelly and I, we just, we started doing, I don't even remember when, several years ago, maybe when we started doing a budget back when we got married, but at least once a year, sitting down and saying to ourselves lots of questions about our budget, but two in particular, are we giving enough away? And are we being faithful with all of it? Not a percentage, but 100%, all of it. Listen, I know, I know many of you probably feel overwhelmed right now. We all feel uncomfortable. You're all like hoping this ends soon. It will, I promise. Um, but for some of us, the discomfort we feel is because we're, we're disobedient to God. And we just have to own it as that. We're, we are, God says one thing and I'm saying another. Um, for others of us, we're just in a spot where it's, it's really hard. You don't think it's possible to obey God right now because of decisions you've made or, you know, too much house, too much car or something like that. And I get that. And I want to say, like, we are glad you're here and there is grace for you, okay? There's grace. But please, for your own sake, start giving and try to give more. Pick a percentage. Like, don't, don't get hung up on a particular, like, maybe for some of you it's 2%. That's, that's the best you can do right now. Start somewhere. Maybe it's, for others of you, it's 7 or 12 or who knows, right? Start somewhere and increase it over time. But if you, listen, if you are ungenerous and you walk out of here this morning and you do nothing, man, I'm just sad for you. Like, life doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't all have to center around you. And there, there is a feeling, like, in generosity that you can't get anywhere else. Only a generous life will never be empty. Because here's the, here's the last thing, and mo- most important thing for me to say. Wise people can be generous because they know their provider. It's the only way it's possible. You've got to know your provider, and it's not you. Ultimately, it's not me. Which, first of all, sigh of relief, right? Knowing that that's true. And then a freedom to be able to, get, to, to give and a recognition that I am made in the image of God, and who is more generous than God? I am made to be like him, and he has poured out everything on our behalf to rescue us. I mean, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for example, it says, for you know, Paul is writing, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty we might become rich. Jesus, God himself, who is richer than God, he didn't have to leave his throne. He didn't have to come for us. Or he could have just given us a tiny bit, right? Just, just enough to keep going or, or to trickle on. But no, he, he poured out his entire life. He welcomes us in, not, not just as... as people who are forgiven, not just as as strangers, but as family, that you and I, we have all all the rights now that Jesus does before God. We are in his family. I mean, have you ever seen such generosity? Like that, that is the granddaddy. Like that, that is the tallest tree. And when you see him hanging on a tree for you, who poured out everything to welcome you in, to give you all that you need and more, and not just now in this moment, but for eternity. How can we be unchanged by that? How can, how can we not stand before him in awe and worship, not out of duty or guilt, but out of great joy? For this, this highest act of generosity is what empowers us, frees us, enables us, 
forgives us when we fail and motivates us all, all the more with joy to give ourselves away. And if we did, just think about it. What happened? I mean, you know that it was, it was the church, us, like God's people over the ages that started the first hospitals, orphanages, universities, preschools, and just about any social service that you can possibly imagine. We did that because the church gave. According to an article in Relevant Magazine, if, if Christians tithed, like just tithe, I mean baseline stuff, people, churches around the world would have an additional $165 billion. So the article asked, well, what could we do with that kind of money? Well, according to their research, $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in as few as five years. It's 25. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas mission work, leaving, what's that? $100 billion to change the world. Let's do that, right? I mean, are you in? Like, who, who wouldn't want that? And, and I realize maybe that's too big. Like, okay, that's the world and of all the Christians, and I'm just me, right? We're just us at Christ Community. But what, what would happen here? What would Christ Community do with more? Because, you know, one of the things that I, I hear often or we hear from newer folks is, man, five campuses, big church, Large budget, you guys don't need my money. I understand that perception. I mean, it's easy to think that. Um, but our needs as a church have never been greater. Because we don't, we don't have just one church to care about, or one community to serve, one neighborhood to love. We have five spread out across our city. That we, that we long to bring flourishing to each of those, each of those places, and it, it doesn't come easily. And even, I mean, I think about our, our new home that we have here. It's been, you know, what, six months, and it's, man, this is incredible. Like, it's hard to even remember when we used to cram in that other room and, you know, four times on Sunday have services over there. I mean, this is, this is amazing, but we could not have done this on our own. I mean, many of you gave and sacrificed generously to make this happen, but also across all of our campuses to give so that we could welcome new people, hurting people, lost people into these, into these doors. But you know what? It's great. It's awesome. I'm enjoying it. Man, it's beautiful. But our Shawnee Mission campus, after four years, is still homeless. I meet in a middle school. Did you like middle school? <laughs> no! Nobody likes middle school. And like, I'm not even... Not even just talking about like the hard work it is that they have to set up classrooms and chairs and get everything ready, but like there are enough hurdles in our culture against going to church at all, right? To embracing the gospel that we, we need to remove that hurdle. We need to make it easier for people to come, to welcome in, to hear the gospel and understand we, we have got to do better. Or I think about our downtown campus. Downtown has such incredible potential uh, as, as a hugely you know, missional, influential place, just by nature of their location, like right in the heart of our city, right? Some of you have been there. It's an incredible little space, little tiny space. But also because of where they're at, they're always going to have trouble supporting themselves just by nature of their location. And yet at the same time, 
They've had the highest numbers of percentage growth, and I, I think life transformation in Christ's community's entire history there. But they are out of space. I mean, their entire church could fit in here like five times, right? It's a little one-room schoolhouse, essentially. Their kids have to walk out the back door, outside, down an alley, half a block to their classrooms. And winter is coming. And our lease is almost up there, and the reality is, we don't know how, but we have got to do better. We've got to do better. It is expensive to multiply and reach out, to give ourselves away, but it's who we are. And, and if we don't do, if we don't give ourselves away, like, what do we have left? As a church as well, I'm not patting ourselves on the back. I hope, hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm making, you know, exaggerating the case. I mean, this is real stuff that we talk about as a leadership team on a regular basis. Um, but one of, the, one of the incredible things is this, this year, in spite of those needs, um, our outreach budget for, for this year is almost $900,000 of money of ours, right, that we're giving to the best organizations in Kansas City and across the world and the, the leadership development that we do within our own church to be able to give ourselves away. That's where your money goes. So just imagine... Imagine what together we could do next. A generous life will never be empty. And a generous church changes the world. God, help us be faithful. Let's pray. Father, we can't do this on our own. God, I pray that you would work through the barriers in my own heart to giving more, the ways in which I make money and stuff and pleasure and idol. God, I, I pray that all of us here, God, that we, we would walk out realizing that, yes, generosity is better, and that, yes, God, that there is something powerful about a church, your church, your bride, when they give themselves away. But even more than that, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would once again be struck anew with the ultimate act of generosity that we've experienced. And that standing before you, we would long to respond to you with worship, with praise, with open hearts and open pocketbooks. That we'd be generous in every way for your glory, for your name, we pray. Amen, and that is our hope. He's been so generous to us. Forgiveness when we fail and motivation to keep pressing on. I'm so glad you're here today. I know this is a hard, it's uncomfortable for all of us, I know. Thanks for sitting through it. Not, I guess it would have been weird if you left, but thank you for being here. <laughs> and let me just say to you, if this is your first Sunday, maybe on your way out, just like whisper to the person sitting next to you, like, do you guys talk about money every week? Because we don't, okay? And they'll tell you that. You won't believe me, but please, okay? So this is not, this is not a hobby horse for us, um, but it's so important uh, to who God has made us to be, to flourishing, and to the mission of the church. And so we have to talk about it periodically. So thanks for being a part of that with us. Also, if you have questions about why, why church, why do this, why Jesus, please don't hesitate. Um, we want to be able to walk through those difficult things with you as well. Well, as we go uh, this morning, all the places that God is sending us. And the beautiful thing is, if you're a Christian, you can't leave the church, right? You are the church. And so you bring that, you bring Jesus' presence, everything that you do, every place, and we are called to be generous 
with our forgiveness, our patience, our words, our attitudes at home, at work, at school, everywhere that we go as his ambassadors, for God has been so generous to us. And so as a benediction, I want to read that verse, those verses again from Proverbs 11. It says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So go now, pouring yourself out just as Christ did for you, that God himself may fill you up and redeem his world. Amen? Go in peace.